Hi, welcome to Haigeret, or The Message, a unique journal of original and plagiarized Jewish thought in the merit of my grandfather, Benjamin Ari Ben Meir, and for a refuah shlema, a complete healing for Esther Batsipora. We have a double Parsha this week. So we have 54 Parshiot, or selections, in the Torah, but only about 50 to 51 weeks in a non-leap Hebrew year as well as some other extenuating circumstances where we miss a Shabbat of Torah reading because it's a holiday, so we read that Torah reading. So in order to fit all these 54 parshiot in the Hebrew year, we double up at least two Shabbats. So this week is one of them, Vayakal and Pekudeh. Our first parsha opens with the laws of keeping Shabbat, and then we go right into hearing about the contributions that Bnei Israel, the children of Israel, were instructed to make toward the Mishkan. In previous Parshiot, we've learned about the precise ingredients and pieces for the Mishkan. But of course, even though God probably could have dropped the Mishkan from the sky, that's not what happened. It still had to be built. So Moshe, Moses, relays that everyone who is of generous, willing, giving heart, Nadiv Lev, should give. Ovadia ben Yaakov Sforno, an Italian Torah commentator, explains that this means that no one should give grudgingly or be forced to give. The Or HaChaim, Rabbi Chaim Ibn Attar, a North African Torah commentator, clarifies that there was this intangible quote-unquote donation that God gave, the Trumat Hashem, the godly contribution, that held all of the tangible pieces of the Mishkan together, like divine superglue. So when the tangible pieces were donated by the people, they must be given by people who were willing to elevate their contribution to the level that was worthy of meshing with the divine mortar. So we have people of generous giving hearts who are the only ones allowed to donate. And we also have other characterized hearts, wise hearts. When referring to the skilled men and women who would build the Mishkan and create the various materials that were in it, the Torah uses the phrase wise of heart, hacham lev. A lovely idea, right? Generous hearts and wise hearts. But what does this mean? And what does it have anything to do with the ability in building? There's also a big difference between people who are wise-hearted and wise in regard to specialized skills. Maybe in their years of slavery in Egypt, Bnei Yisrael picked up a few tips on building, but what are the chances that they became the kinds of artisans required for the building of the Mishkan? There are a few interpretations. The Netziv, Rabbi Naftali Tzvi Yehuda Berlin, an Eastern European rabbi, wrote that wise-hearted didn't just mean scholars. It meant that anyone, even people without specialized skills, who were God-fearing or heaven-fearing, could participate in building. The Ramban, Rabbi Moshe ben Nachman, Nachmanides, a Spanish Torah commentator, interprets that the people who were wise of heart discovered that they had the beginnings of naturally endowed skills, but were raised up or elevated through this service. This, of course, reminded me of the final scene in The Wizard of Oz, where Dorothy runs to Glinda, the Good Witch of the North, and asks for her help in getting back to Kansas. Of course, Glinda says her famous line, you've always had the power to go back to Kansas. All Dorothy has to do is click her heels three times and she's home. And to paraphrase, it was always inside you. You just had to be in a situation that brought the ability out. So these wise of heart artisans could be truly skilled or wise. They could possess the seeds of an ability and they could also just be ground level, regular God-fearing individuals. This is so delightful and inclusive. You'd think that giving any sort of stipulation though to who can give would decrease the amount of that said giving, but it didn't. In fact, people were so generous that pretty much everything that needed to be contributed was contributed by the general population. By the time that the Nisim, the princes or chieftains of each tribe were going to contribute, 
All that was left to be given were these special stones meant for the Kohanim, the priests, Aphod, and Hoshen, their garments and breastplates. This is bad. Well, at least that's what the commentators tell us. But where do we even get this implication that it's bad? Okay, so we get this because Nasiim is usually spelled like this. Nun, Shin, Yud, Aleph, Yud, Mem, Sofit, with two Yuds in it. But in this instance, when we are told of what the Nasiim gave, it's spelled like this. Nun, Shin, Aleph, Mem, Sofit, without those Yuds. The missing Yuds, according to Rashi, implicate that missing zeal or energy in their giving. According to the Talmud, the Nasiim were allowing the people to give first, monitoring their constituents and their giving rather than donating immediately. Perhaps they were trying to be good leaders, putting their people before themselves, or they were making sure that everything that needed to be donated had been donated before they were going to donate so that they could make sure that what they donated was helpful, I guess. And I feel like that's a totally fair way to lead, but our interpretations glean that instead of being so careful, they should have just gone for it. A leader that's too hesitant, too selfless, cannot be successful, and of course, an impulsive, selfish leader cannot be successful either. So like everything, we must walk the line. This whole idea of waiting to give the perfect gift and then not doing a quote-unquote good job of giving reminds me of my attitude towards this very email slash podcast. Everyone wants to put their best face forward to the public, of course. That's why we love social media. We get to curate our own highlight reel. But when you decide to write a weekly podcast and email, you have to do it every week, which means that it's not always going to be your greatest masterpiece, which did not take me long to realize. During coronavirus, so many industries and livelihoods have been hurt so badly, but to focus on one sphere, theater is non-existent. Lots of theater companies and actors have tried to find solutions, one of which is the Zoom play reading. At the beginning of this craziness, I really dreaded tuning into these. I felt like theater was one thing and one thing only. Theater was people together forming a whole and creating a narrative simply in the space of the theater. But like in most cases, I am wrong. Is the Zoom play reading the same as a live staged play? Of course not. The Manhattan Theater Club is streaming a free reading of the Richard Greenberg play Three Days Rain for the next week and a half. I'll attach the link here. This reading reunites the stars of the original 1997 off-Broadway cast, Patricia Clarkson, Bradley Whitford, and John Slattery. You may or may not know their names, but you definitely know their faces. It is super weird to see that John Slattery uses wired Apple earphones and definitely someone needs to wipe down Bradley Whitford's cabinets, but the play is so good that, I don't know, I didn't really care. And it's a reading, so they're, you guessed it, reading their lines. But again, I really don't care. Is it the best performances they've ever given? Maybe not. Do they have an expensive set and costumes? No. But is it a magical experience to be trapped in the echo of the Zoom Room Theater and see a moving story take place? Yes. So it doesn't have to be your best to be worthy of being shared. I very fully believe that if you know Aleph, you should teach Aleph. Could you stage an opulent revival of Three Days Rain in person with a packed audience? God willing, one day. Could you help build the Mishkan if you're the most educated scholar with the most technical artisanal skills? Yes. But you can also mount a reading of a great play on Zoom, and it can be a moving experience. And you could also build the Mishkan possessing zero special skills whatsoever. You can do things and be amazing at them. You can do things and be mediocre at them. You can do things and be subpar. But you really don't have to be perfect. Just like, do whatever you want. Make things happen. Put things out into the world. Throw things at the wall. Eventually they will stick. I really, I believe that so fully. If you have any questions about that statement, you know where to reach me. 
Shabbat Shalom. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. If you liked what you heard, you can share with a friend or not. Shabbat Shalom.